And good afternoon, and welcome to Lambda Weekly. I'm Dave Taffet here in the studio with the late Patty Fink, who is actually on time again. I mean, this whole year, you're just ruining... You're just ruining your image. I know. This is you know, killing my reputation here. So let me get my headphones. We, we just raced into the studio. <laughs> not organized at all today. That's okay. Our um, guest today is Nadia Medrano, and she will be talking about her experience as a trans woman. Um, she has an interesting story, and I thought, hey, let's... Let's share with our listeners. Share it. Uh, and uh, Nadia wanted to come on because she was hoping that she'll just be of help to somebody who hears her story. So welcome, Nadia. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for being here. Well, thank you for having me. And I'm me. so excited that we have better weather today to welcome you to the studio well, thank you. than what we've had in recent days. Mm-hmm. We might all be bundled up and not be able to move right. you know, from all the codes. Do you know what I did even? I got gloves. Whoa, uptown. Uh-huh. <laughs> They're just little knit gloves, but uh, I can't take this cold weather. Grew yeah. up in it and can't take it at all. So, um, Okay, so Nadia, why don't we start a little bit. Tell us your beginning story, your family story. Well, I am from San Angelo, Texas. Um, I've was born in a predominantly um, black community. Mm-hmm. Um, my parents were both very into um, partying and just, you know, that whole lifestyle. Um, so, you know, I, I think it's in our blood. It's in my blood for sure. Um, but, um, yeah, um, uh, both parents were... Um, really into um, having a good time. I I remember waking up sometimes and um, me and my sister going to the refrigerator having to like um, move around other people that were just probably sprawled out on the floor, you know, smoking, drinking, chilling. And before we go too far, your father's profession now, he is a... My dad is a pastor. Uh Wow. (laughs) Yeah. That is a conversion. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I came from a very interesting family, but, you know, a family of love, you know. So to me, that's very important. And I think that um, because it's always been there, even though my dad might have not been there as a child all the time. Um, My dad was in the Army or, yeah, I think he was in the Army or the National Guard, one of those. I wasn't close to him, so... You know, I really just would see him every now and then. But when we did, my mom and him sure did love to party. You know, they love to party. Um, That's why I wanted to put in there, even early, <laughs> that he's a pastor. Yes, my daddy is a pastor now. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I think my mom just got tired of the lifestyle eventually, you know, and um, uh, gave my dad an ultimatum. She started, um, get, I guess she got tired of just, you know, partying and, and and him not being home and her always just hurting and wondering where is he at, you know, and she loves that man so much. <laughs> she, that is, it's God then, then him, which is, I think it's important, but, um, you know, uh, 
I don't know. I just, um, I thank God for my family. I really do. Even with all the struggles and, and all the pain and all the confusion that a child shouldn't experience or go through, um, it's just part of life. That's why I'm here to share to share my story, you know, and I, I believe that everything happens for a reason. Um, so like most trans kids, you knew you were trans from an early age. At a very, very young age, yes. And you've been Nadia that whole time. I think my whole inside. life I've been Nadia inside, yes. That's, that's really awesome. A lot of parents who are different and maybe with a lot less love in the family would make the the lives of their trans child much more difficult. Um, yeah. And you had a difficult upbringing, obviously, as you were just, just sharing with everyone. But um, if you were able to be yourself through all of that, that's amazing. <laughs> that's yeah. amazing. Well, thank you so much, Patty. Um, you know, and it has been an amazing, crazy whirlwind and a roller coaster of a journey. Um, uh, you know, it, honestly, my parents' love has always been there, but me and my dad were never close. Um, you know, he would try, I, I believe I smoked my first joint at the age of six years old. Wow. Yeah. My daddy told me, this is going to turn you into a man, and rolled up the windows to the car, and he lit up his joint. And um, my mom, of course, saw me sitting out there and came out what are you doing you better open the door you better roll those windows down you better and I'm going to say her get her out here you know um, I think my dad was just really really trying to get close to me in a way um, the only way he knew how because his dad left him at a very young age, and I never thought about that till right now. <laughs> he didn't have much of a father figure. Oh, wow. His mother also raised him. And you and Patty are very similar. Patty, you grew up in Libya? Grew up in Libya. So, yeah. with smoking a joint in the car, that, that you can <laughs> not, relate to that. Not a common occurrence, no. 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 <laughs> <laughs> I mean, in fact, I'm having a hard time recalling an incident, but I'll think about it more. Uh, okay, I just wanted fair. to make sure that you could relate to this. Um, <laughs> but I do know where San Angelo is, and that's like toward West Texas, and it's sort yes. of more central Texas, really, if you look at a map. But yeah. um, that's not a big town. It's really not. It's small. It's uh, conservative, and people are very narrow-minded. You do have a small community of of people that, you know, I think me, I've always... Uh, I don't know. I feel like I, I, growing up, I also was trying to find myself. So it wasn't like as a child, um, I was a, I was able to live my life. You know, when my dad wasn't home, you know, my mom would let me put on her high heels and put on her lipstick, and you know, she'd wrap like a, a towel or a blanket in my hair, and you know, and just let me just live. And uh, but when Dad came home, it was a different story. Like, oh wow! Yeah. Your Dad's coming home. You know, you need to take that off. You know, yeah. or whatever. But uh, my Dad saw. He knew. He knew for sure. I think there was an incident where um, my parents. It was a, it was around Christmas, and um, my parents um, they had gotten gifts. You know, like gag gifts and all kinds. Of, well, my mom had these 
edible panties, right? And my dad had like this, um, it was like a, a box and it said, I'm sorry, this year I couldn't, I couldn't afford to make uh, some, I couldn't afford to buy something, so I made it myself. And it was from family members, you know, and it was like a box of, it was like a box of of turd. It was like a oh yeah, my gosh! A, it was a it was like a Spencer's <laughs> a, a Spencer's gag gift, you know, something like that, like a gag gift. Well, I was very curious, you know, uh, growing up as a child, and I was getting into everything. So I remember my dad had like um, in the restroom. In the bathroom, there was like these little cubby holes, and I was so curious to know what was up there. Well, there were all his Playboys and all oh, his magazines. Wow. Well, I went up there, they all came down, and my mom told me that she'll never forget that my dad said, See, there is hope after all, because I was going through those magazines, mm-hmm. and here are all these bombshell women, right? Beautiful, just voluptuous, gorgeous, stunning. And I'm just, and she was like, No. <laughs> she's looking at those because one day she she sees her. She's my mom told me that she was like, yeah, I saw the way your eyes sparkled when you looked at those magazines. It was never sexual, never. Uh, I think women are beautiful and uh, the epitome of, of femininity. You know, no matter what, I think women come. I, I think a woman has a, a a certain kind of love in her heart that is uh, maternal and and true and honest and giving. And I, I got that from my mother, and I still get it from her, even though we do bump heads because she's so crazy. <laughs> I swear my mom is still taking those black mollies from when I was little. I'm like, Mom, lay off the coffee. Like, because she's just like, back up. She flies from one side of the house to the other, just like I, like she used to when I was little. That's how I remember her. Hmm. Wow. Um, yeah. Do you have a relationship with your father now? I do. I do. I do have a... a is a, it better? It is way much better, yeah. Um, you know, him being a pastor and stuff, um, He they've joined different congregations. Um, when my mom gave my dad that ultimatum, I think I was like seven, um, and we ended up moving into a church not too... Not too far after her telling him, like, if you want your family, then you're going to have to get it together. Either you're going to serve the Lord and you're going to try to get your life right or whatever, you know. Um, of course, I'm very young at the at that time. I, I don't know, you know, what serving the Lord is or anything. All I know was alcohol and drugs. And, um, well, we ended up moving to a church and that is, uh, whew. That on its own is a whole other story. I bet. You know, I mean, because um, being trans and then living in a church where it's men and women, you can only imagine. And, you know, me being a, a mama's girl, like, that was my security blanket. They took me from her, and I had to stay in all men's dorm, like, at a very young age. So oh, it, wow. was, it, it was a... It, it it affected me. Childhood was so crazy. I didn't really have... And you said your mother childhood. and your father joined different congregations? No, they joined the same congregation. Um, my mom gave him an ultimatum, basically saying, like, listen, if you want to continue partying, if you want to continue living that life, well, then... We're not going to be a part of that. She was just tired. I believe her sis, his sister, my dad's sister, introduced my mom to 
Christianity. And um, that's where she just, she said she met a man. She met a man and he loves her and accepts her for her and doesn't judge her. And that was her God. Hmm. And uh, she's still that way. Uh, Okay, so this being Lambda Weekly, and this is a serious question because we spoke ahead of time. When did she get into witchcraft? Oh, wow. <laughs> no, that was not the question you were expecting no, me to ask. Not well, okay, my, I believe my mom was, you know, I'm Latina, so I come from a background where I'm, I'm not just going to say Latinas, you know, we come from, I, there's a huge part of spirituality that I believe that we come from. Um, and um, my mother, uh, I believe was looking for answers before she moved into the church, you know, because she didn't get the answer that she was trying to get from a certain someone by taking this person gifts and weed and stuff. They just wanted like fresh fruit and, 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 and weed and stuff like that. And that he would give her some answers. Um, I believe, I know that was before my mom really got in touch with her spirituality. So, um, I would say that, um, my mom was in the middle of soul searching between her darkness and her light. And she found something. She found something inside her soul that she realized, like, it's, it, this person cannot give me the answers. I've done this. I've done that. You know, I've, I witnessed watching her do kind of a ritual I've had I've had rituals done on me, not by her. Um, so I believe that like just spirituality and stuff was always just there. Um, but yeah, since she's found her Lord, oh, she only believes in one thing, and that's the light. And she she knows that through her darkness, she found her light. And I know that now. Like I I see it now. I realize it and I recognize it and it's so powerful to know that, you know, to come from such a dark place and to realize and recognize like there is so much that you that you come from and either it can make you or break you or you can just be a beacon of light and share a story and hopefully touch lives. Mm-hmm. Um so what's your relationship with them now? Your mother calls you Nadia. Of course. And you're saying, of course. Do you know how many trans people would just do anything for their mother to recognize who they are? Of course I do. Um, I've had trans girlfriends. Um, <coughs> I've had trans friends, period. You know, that... that um, I feel like you, we, we all come from different backgrounds. And... Um, yeah, some families really don't um, understand and accept. Um, it's been everything for me, for my parents to re- to recognize and to realize, like, I am who I am, and there's no changing it. Like, you don't even have to call me Nadia. That doesn't mean I'm not, you know. Um, I just... I prefer you call me Nadia. That's just. And what happens when your father doesn't? No, he never ever does. But even now? Oh no, he does not. He will get corrected. No, no. (laughs) But I mean, no. With we did go through a little, a little like powwow, like um, 
on my birthday, close to June. Um, it was June 27th, the day before my birthday last year. Um, my sister came up to me and was like, did you hear, um, has dad said anything or mom said anything to you? And I was like, what do you mean? And the old Nadia, because I've grown, mind, body, and soul, um, the old me would have been very defensive, very on the edge, you know, just very like, what? Like embarrassed too, because um, I don't know, for some reason, although I know who I am, being trans is such a touchy subject, you know? I, I know who I am. It's not what I am, it's who I am. But um, I don't know, I just hate being put, like, believe it or not, I hate being put on the spot. Believe it or not. But, um, and so for someone to, for my sister to say something like that to me, it means like, oh, they're talking about me. And not as Nadia, but as someone in a different form like somebody what? that you don't even recognize yourself at, at all but what I've learned David um, is that I can't forget where I came from like I think I tried erasing where I came from even erasing tattoos you know changing everything when in reality I didn't really need to change anything yes transitioning it's, it's a metamorphosis of change you know you go from this in your head, you go from this, like, this um, caterpillar, so to speak, to, you know, to the cocoon, to a butterfly. And um, I've heard some trans people describe it as emerging. Emerging, yes. When I started um, hormone therapy, I felt like that's where my spiritual awakening began because I started to see, like, the grass more greener. I know it sounds so, you know, cliche and crazy, but honestly, like, the sky seemed bluer, the grass seemed greener, the fog was no longer there. Like, I could see clear. Like, I just felt like I was finally living my life as Nadia, you know, and, and feeling loved and feeling myself. And sometimes when we feel ourselves, we got to check ourselves because <laughs> we can get a little out of line, and I have been that girl. We're going to talk about that after our break. <laughs> You're listening to Lambda Weekly on 89.3 KNON FM. I'm Dave Taffet here in the studio with the late Patty Fink. Our guest is Nadia Medrano. She's just talking about her life a little bit. Um, hopefully, my goal with the, with a show like this one, when we have somebody on just talking about their life, is that you'll touch somebody and help somebody that we don't even know. Absolutely. We'll be back with more Lambda Weekly right after this.
I'm Dallas City Councilman Adam Medrano, and you're listening to Lambda Weekly on 89.3 KNON-FM. And this is Lambda Weekly. That was Adam Medrano. Uh, he's no relation to you as far as you know. Uh, no, I don't think so. <laughs> and we are just talking a little bit about your life. What were you talking about during the break? I was doing oh, some we're just talking, I was. I was asking Nadia about her siblings, what life was like, and... Um, the support and advocacy um, th- that she gets from her her siblings and extended family. Yeah, um, my family are very supportive. Um, I have a sister that we bump heads like every other sister does. You know, it's part. It's of hard life. being sisters. Yes, it is. You know, <laughs> it and can me, be. And yes, it can be. And me and my brother, we have never ever not gotten along. Um, even before I transitioned, you know, he's always just been such a light in my life. Um, they all have. Uh, my nieces, they love me. They didn't know I was trans growing up. They just thought I was their tia Nadia, you know. Cool. Their aunt Nadia. I am. They thought right. Um, but, you know, they've always just been so supportive and, and have loved me. And I'm so blessed and thankful no matter how much the struggle has been so real, financial, mental, emotional, every struggle, it, 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 to me, it's worth it. Because um, I don't know what I would do without my family. I know there's a lot of trans people that don't have that. And um, I can say, like, Sometimes I, I feel like I can relate because it's almost like I just want to be with them 24-7. But to be accepted is everything. And for anyone that's listening, just stay strong and stay in your truth. And remember that to, res- to get respect, you have to respect and love yourself no matter what. And I know a lot of LGBT people from San Angelo. They live in Oak Lawn. <laughs> because, you know, if you were wondering why there isn't a, an LGBT community in trans- San Angelo, it's because they're here. Right. <laughs> Pretty much. How did you get here? Um, well, I got here um, before I transitioned. Um, my aunt, uh, very, very close to my aunt growing up, she was the aunt that I admired. She was, she is. She was just so, so classy, just regal, you know, just beauty in and out. And um, I, I wanted to be around her all the time. And my cousin, Bianca, that was my favorite cousin growing up. Not because I have favorites, just we were the, we were, you know, she, I was closest to her. I don't want to say I have favorites, you know. But I, um, Same thing. I have yeah. those that were my age and sort of. There, there are some you're closer to than others because you yes. just really click. Very much yeah. so. And me and Bianca, we've since we were little, we were just inseparable, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, we've been like that ever since. We've we've had our ups and downs, as we you know every family member does. But um, to answer your question, it was her mother. Um, being wanting to come to Dallas and to get away from San Angelo, I kind of was going down. You know, as you transition in a small town for me, it was like I, I, I went from living, like, I want to say, in the San Angelo hood. Um, I went to a predominantly all-black uh, school, Blackshire Elementary. 
um, I loved it. Um, and then from there to move into a church, from a church um, to, to go into the real world. It, it was almost like, you know, you're going through these phases, you know, like, and then I couldn't live my life the way I did when I was a child. Did you know any other uh, trans people in San Angelo's? Not one. I didn't even know that it was possible for me to live my life as I am today. Mm -hmm. That's what's so amazing to me is, is, uh, you know, kids, every kid, every adult today was a kid going through this in, in your junior high and in high school years as a teen, really, and, and beyond, um, and, and really, I guess, for a lifetime, figuring out who you are beyond um, gender identity or expression, beyond um, what, whatever kind of student you are, beyond everything. You just really find that core self, and that's difficult enough. I mean, that alone is confusing, it's frustrating, it's um, scary, um, but to, to have all of those challenges on top of, of you know, uh, finding who you are um, as a trans woman as well, that had to be incredibly difficult. It just speaks to how strong you are as a person, I think, to, sur to survive all of that and really have a central understanding of your core, who you are. Thank you so much, Patty. I'm going to get emotional because... It's hard to be strong sometimes. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's, and it's always easier when you're around other people. Um, you know, when I was a kid, all of my friends were gay, but nobody was out. We never talked about it. We didn't know that the others were all gay also. But all of us came out in college. And I have a group of high school friends that were all gay. Um, it's just becoming common for trans people to come out and live who they are. So it's hard to find other friends, and especially in a small town. Yeah. And when you, when you, you know, don't even really have a word for it many times. Mm -hmm. you, you, know. you really don't. There's just, oh, you're gay. Um, you know, you're... The F word, your you know, it's the right. ugly word. Um, you, it's not. Oh, you're different. Uh, my teachers would say I was special, and I think that like we're all special in our own ways, mm -hmm. you know. But some people are very, very different, and you don't know why you feel this way. I, 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 I didn't want to be born transgender, like you know. I, but I wouldn't be here right now. I don't think I would be here. Um, I See, and that's one thing that I always objected to in the gay community when um, I was active with PFLAG. My first partner uh, in college, his parents were two of the parents who founded PFLAG, uh, which is a parents group for uh, LGBT children, uh, for LGBT parents of LGBT children. Um, and they'll usually say, well, 
obviously they were born this way because why would you want to be this way? And I always objected to that. Well, I'm real happy being this way, and I'm glad I'm, I was born this way. Yeah, I, I, I find that too. It's like all the things that, um, that have made up my life from the beginning, including all the pain and all the, and mm-hmm. all the love and all the joy, um, have contributed to where I am today and who I am. Although- I, I, I love myself and respect myself, and so I can't diss any part of that or want to remove that from my past. Right, although, Patty, you and I have talked about being married to each other. I would, yeah. Being married to David would change my trajectory quite a lot. <laughs> in, in lots of ways on many levels. <laughs> so that's why I don't go there. <laughs> now, one of the things that's very difficult in the trans community is unemployment. The unemployment rate sometimes among the trans community hits like 50%. People come out as trans and they start transitioning. They're fired from their jobs. Uh, people recognize somebody as being trans. Well, we're not going to hire that person. So unemployment is a big problem. Mm-hmm. What are some of the jobs that you've had? You said you worked at Great American Hero on Lemon Avenue. Yay, they're back in business. They and, are. They reopened. Uh, and reopened after their owner retired. Yes. Um, you know, um, I didn't know that until you brought that up, David. Like, it was 50%. You know, that's, that's, that is really sad. Um, but I do get why a lot of us girls do... We do... Um, we get into uh, sex work and, and um, trying to... Uh, I think... I think for a lot of us girls, transitioning fast of is um, what we think is 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 what we need to do, and so there we start making a lot more mistakes than, than we were prepared for. Um, some of the jobs I've had to answer your question, though. Um, She's good. Not like last week when we were just completely off track. <laughs> she keeps saying to answer your question. It's like wow, oh. our guests never did that. <laughs> Um, but, um, yes, I did work at Great American Hero. Um, all, my, all the jobs I've had have all been, like, prepping sandwiches because I never wanted to get my hands dirty as a child either. Could not even. Oh, wow. Yeah. My dad was like, come out here and fix this tire. No. No. You know, I didn't want to get my hands dirty. And I still don't like getting my hands dirty. But I will. I will. I will get them dirty. Um, We're kind of alike that way. <laughs> By the way, did you get your tire fixed? Um, my my tire's good. Okay, good. Yep. Yep. That's good. Although one time, I, I, this is this is such a memory. Um, I went to with some other lesbians when I was single to a Melissa Etheridge concert at oh, Dallas her. Convention Center, and we all went back to the parking garage, and my car had a flat, and there were like I don't know. 19 lesbians telling one of them brought her brought her teenage son <laughs> and the poor guy <laughs> we're all telling him how to do it like you're like no you put this here and you get the lug nuts <laughs> off here and, you know and, and bless this already changed my tire for me but i didn't want to get my hands dirty either. Right. <laughs> i could do it if i needed to but you know here's this young kid and he was really good natured about it but um you know yeah oh, you don't you don't want all those women telling you what to do <laughs> 
But you've worked in the bars. Um, uh, no, I didn't work in the bars. Oh, okay. When you said before the show that you had met certain of the drag queens, I thought you were working there with them. Oh, no. You were just... Uh, no. Um, just a fan. <laughs> well, uh, I don't know. At the bars? On Cedar Springs. Okay, no, yeah. I mean, I've... You brought up the Rose Room. Mm-hmm. And, no, I... Yes, I've been there. No, I didn't ever work as an entertainer. Oh, okay. As far as that. I did work as a... A provider, uh, an escort. Um, that's what I was getting at. Um, uh, no, but did I want to be on stage? Absolutely. Did I want to, you know, um, perform? Absolutely. Um, I think that just when you when you start finding yourself transitioning and becoming more the woman that you're meant to be drag and no offense to anybody but you drag to me is an artistic form of expression and being a trans woman is a lie is life it's not like you know you live your life as a woman you walk that walk talk that talk you know um for me and that, i'm just speaking for myself sure um but uh would i get up there and do a show absolutely <laughs> you know um no, but uh, I'd never got the chance. And I see what you're saying, that one is entertainment and the other one is just who you are. Yes. An entertainer, that's... Being an entertainer might be who they are. No, absolutely. And I think also you you um, you take on this persona as well um, when you are entertaining behind closed doors, so to speak. Right. You, know, um, you take on this persona. So I've always considered myself an entertainer, I guess, my own kind of stage. You know what I mean? Um, I'm just blunt. I'm just going to keep it real. Um, you know, and uh, unfortunately, a lot of us girls find ourselves in that direction. Because we think, oh, I can do this and I could, you know, get this done and that done. And for me, it was those things, but it was also helping my family, you know, supporting my family, helping my family and anyone else that was around me. Like, I was the I got it girl. I got it. I got it. I got it. You know, Um, because I did. I can't do that now. I'm like, where are those friends I had, you know? Um. But no, I don't know. Um, I think it's just one of those things that we uh, trans girls find themselves gravitating towards um, uh, escorting and stuff like that because... Because there's such a high unemployment rate, you have to eat. And you want to get your nails done and you want to get your hair done. (laughs) No, no, but you have to eat. You know, um, unfortunately, I think that... We have this idea that um, oh, I always did, like, you know, I, I, I'm i an all-or-nothing kind of girl. Like, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it to it, you know, and I'm, I'm not going to I'm not gonna half do it, like, or half-ass do it, you know. Uh, so transitioning for me was life. It was, it was everything. And so when I started making the money I did and was able to do things, it became... It's become so hard to get away from. It's like the only thing you know, it's like it becomes your mind, body, and your spirit. 
and then you're you're soul searching because you feel like a huge part of your soul has been taken. And you've known homelessness. Yes. You went from Dallas up to New York for about six months. I did. We only have a couple of minutes before uh, we take a break, but why don't you start telling us a little bit about what that was even like because you were homeless up there. Yeah, um, I was, uh, I left from here, from Dallas, Texas, um, from an abusive relationship um, with a friend named Chad and uh, some other friends that we met um, at the bus station and we just, whoever wanted to come and and, and was feeling that, we we met this girl that we thought was Jewel that was playing the guitar. Um, She came with us to, to, to New York and when we got there I was so excited never been to such a huge city you know small town girl yeah and I'm like so I was an easy target so the minute we got there and we got to the substations to subway station I remember setting my bags down this quick something was stolen it was that fast seconds you know, because I'm like bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. I'm in the city of New York, you know, Texas girl, New York. I'm like, Statue of Liberty? Like, what? I saw this in my history book, you know? Um, it just turned out to be really, really crazy. I remember um, having to leave a lot of my clothes and stuff behind because Chad went from being this, oh, we're going to be doing work for MTV, and I was so naive. You know, I was so naive. I was probably like 17 and very naive still at that time. Um, But I I believed everything he said. And I just remember it was time for us to have, we had to rest. We ended up staying under a brownstone um, where it, on a cardboard, on on a piece of cardboard. Um, And it was just, it was not what I signed up for. It was really scary. I remember being hungry and him telling me that I had to go out and work on the streets. And wow. That was very scary on its own um, to eat Grace papayas, hot dogs, um, uh, or a slice of pizza. Um, and that's all I ate all the time if I did eat. You know, and then I ended up just finding my way to the piers. Um, where all like there a lot of people were like voguing and uh, that show Pose that came on not too long ago I can relate I feel like ooh that was I'm trying to I'm not trying to say my age you know but like I'm like oh I feel like it was around that time you know Damien mm-hmm. and all those characters I met a Damien but I don't know if it was the same person it was just really crazy um, being in New York and having to find my way. Being hungry, having to eat, having to make money. I wasn't, I hadn't transitioned, you know. um. We need to take a break. Okay, sure. When we come back from the break, I want you to continue the story. And we'll talk about that, how you you got back to Dallas, and how you somehow remain safe. You're listening to Lambda Weekly on 89.3 KNON-FM, and we'll be back with more with Nadia Mitrano right after this.
And this is Lambda Weekly. I'm Dave Taffet here in the studio with the late Patty Fink. And our guest is Nadia Mudrano, and she's just telling us her story. Uh, she, had, at the age of 17, made it up to New York with a friend with all kinds of promises, and they ended up on the street. And you were talking during the break. And yeah, we were talking during the break. I was like, how did that? That's it's scary and um, uh, frightening on, on so many levels to be vulnerable in that place. I'm like, how did, would you even sleep? How would you even know that um, someone was going to harm you or take everything you had and that sort of thing while you're while you're trying to, to sleep? And, and the, I mean, the whole lot, the whole um, idea and problem of, of people experiencing homelessness that we have in this country anyway is, is huge. But um, that seems really, really vulnerable. And how did you get out of that? How did you extricate yourself, get back to Texas? And, um, and, and I mean, because you're obviously a beautiful woman. You're here today. Thank you. And you're safe. You're not homeless. And yeah. Right. One thing I heard you say was... Uh, I'm so worried about you, <laughs> but you're here and you are safe, so I know it you turned so, out okay. That's nothing but love. Thank you, Patty. Oh, you're, you're welcome. I was like, I hate to keep t- telling myself that. You're here, so you, obviously you survived, but um, it was. It, continue your story, please. It's oh, um, fascinating. And so I, you know, I, I remember before it got crazy calling my mom because I always told her, I'm going to go to New York. I'm going to be a dancer. You know, I want to go to New York and be a dancer. I just love music. I love to dance. And um, I called her and I told her. She was just like, what? You're in New York. And I'm like, yeah. And then it was probably um, a couple of uh, months later that I'm calling my my boyfriend at the time that I got away from and told him, I'm scared. Um, I'm in New York. Um, I had left with the money I'd saved from working at Blockbuster and Great American Hero. And um, I'm with with Chad, and I'm scared. Um, So much more happened to me um, that it's too much to talk about. Um, just meeting, you know, random men that end up taking me into their home and experiencing, I just experienced things that, uh, I never thought I would. Um, but, uh, it's part of, part of who I am and why I'm being able to speak. And had both good and bad experiences with them. Absolutely. Um, you know, uh, to me, you have to know that your dark, you have your darkness and your light. Like if if, you, if you're in your darkness, how great is your darkness? And do you want to stay there? Or, but if you're of light and you know that that's where you belong, then you know it's it's to me. Um, I can't forget where I came from, and it's been a dark place. And I can take myself there. You know, I, sometimes I, I I struggle. I struggled some yesterday. I was struggling so much to get out of this, this, um, this, this frame of thinking. Like I just didn't want to be around anybody. I felt like I was too much yet not enough. Like it's crazy, you know. Um, but anyways, to get back to New York, um, I um, called Byron and he got me a bus ticket. And the same way I got there, I got back and. Um, I just remember going home, not staying there long, um, going to San Angelo and uh, 
coming back with severe anxiety. I don't know, God, mm -hmm. thank you so much. I just say thank you, God, because I remember even the birds chirp. When I was in New York, the the honking of the cars and <clears throat> just people going by you, you know, it was like so overwhelming. I would literally like try to hide like in a little, in a space somewhere, just so I didn't have to hear all the hustle and bustle of the big city. It's overstimulation it for sure. It was so overwhelming, <laughs> you know, when, especially when you're by yourself and you've experienced so much and you're just like the same clothes, you know, you're, 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 you're hungry, you don't know where you're going to go, you, you don't know what you're doing. None of the people you, that you were with are no longer around and you're literally by yourself, like... So what was that like when you got home and you finally got to like sleep, eat, and then sleep I couldn't. with your, with, in a safe place? I couldn't. I dealt with such anxiety. And I think that, you know, I come from a family, a background where everything's pushed under the rug. We don't talk about it. You don't talk about it. Childhood wasn't talked about. Um, things that we go through in our family, we don't talk about. That's just life. You know, those generational curses. Um, and so I think everything I went through as a child prepared me for what I was going to experience in New York. And, and had to deal with it. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know how I dealt with it. Mm. I really don't. I mean, talking about it brings back a flood of memories <laughs> and a little anxiety. I can't lie. But... It feels good to be able to talk about it and to be here, Patty, like you said. Like yeah, I'm you're here. Pinching myself. <laughs> you forget almost about those trials and tribulations. You're like, life's not that bad, Nadia. Like, it could be so much worse, and it has been. So I think it's important to count our blessings. But, um, yeah, I, I, I didn't. I, I dealt with a lot of anxiety, a lot. The birds chirping alone. The cars, go, like, the littlest things were so overwhelming i literally thought i was gonna go crazy that's, only god took me out of it that's like a, that's like a trauma <clears throat> it was traumatic you know and i never i never even i've never talked about it till right now wow um what have you learned we were talking about you're doing sex work and that so many uh trans people fall into that because there's such a high unemployment rate in the trans community. I mean, how do we change that? Well, acceptance. It, it should be, oh, I'm trans. Oh, okay. It should be nothing more than that. Just like the way I feel about being gay. I'm gay. Oh, you're straight. Oh, okay. I think the there's an overlay also, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, Nadia, but... Um, the, the 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 problem we have in this country with healthcare and and equity for the trans community in healthcare. Mm -hmm. um, I I mean we hear many many um, trans educators and others in the community talk about they have to teach their doctors about how to treat them, like about what it means to be trans and 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 um, and what they need. And um, if a person is is not clear on how to transition and, and how to move forward. Um, and there's not a healthcare provider there that can help guide them through a process. That's got to be difficult and expensive. You know, I mean, it really, it really is. I think a lot of people um, who know no one who is trans 
have no experience with the trans community at all somehow think like you go into a phone booth like Superman and you come out and you're you're you know have a different body and that's just not how it works there's a lot of I mean if you're if you choose to transition then there are a lot of a lot of options and a lot of things that can take place not all at once <laughs> yeah not at all at once and they're all expensive okay. and and so I think it's it must be very difficult for a, a person who's stepping out as themselves and trying to to become that emerge into that person they want to be and the obstacles in your way are just enormous just and the healthcare system is not there as a support really um, in the way that it might be for other people, it's just not. I mean, yeah, the. I mean, I, I don't know if you have stories about trying to to deal with healthcare providers who don't know really how to treat you in terms of um, your your needs as a trans woman, um, but that we've heard countless stories in the community about how difficult it can be to find a provider who really knows what they're doing. Um, I've never had a problem with that. I I, I mean. I, I think, you know, you just have to be honest and let whoever you're dealing with know and understand your needs mm-hmm. if they're mm-hmm. there to help you. Um, and you can only ask so much from somebody so many times before you're just like, okay, like, this isn't going to work. I'm over this. i got to find a different right. route, mm-hmm. you know? And I was just going to say, I mean, Patty... Every lesbian I know has been asked at one point or another by their doctor, are you on birth control? <laughs> oh, yeah. So, yeah. so stupid questions are the norm in the healthcare profession yes. when it comes to dealing with not just trans patients, but gay and lesbian patients as well. So Yeah, there's a lot of education that needs to happen in Absolutely. medical schools and nursing schools and um, across the board. Mm-hmm. And just it would be difficult enough even if that one piece were really solid and everybody really understood and they, you know, were supportive and and even advocates. Um, it's still it's still a difficult thing. But that's that's not even a resource you can really turn to in all cases to right. be that support and help guide people through. So I can only imagine a lot of confusion and a lot of indecision and a lot of struggle and frustration trying to determine how to go forward on top of being unemployed and and other things. It's just remarkable to me that anyone survives um, and is, is, is so well-adjusted. <laughs> I, I think that's... Um, I, I I hope that our listeners can can grasp how Nadia is really. I think she. I think you've got your life together. I mean, you know, struggles came together. And you know, um, I sometimes say God don't give us more than we can handle, right? Uh-huh. Um, sometimes I just think like it, it is mind over matter. Um, all I li- I remember just living my life for one thing and that was just to be be Nadia not knowing the struggles and the pain and and all that that would come with it Um, now I'm just trying to find that strength that I once had because it's still tough I can't say it's not I know Patty I don't have my life together I'm working on it believe it or not 
you well, know. I wish you well because I think you've got all the ingredients to make it work. Thank you so much. I really do. Thank you. I, I'm trying every day. It's like a it's a struggle, you know. Um, I I got away from from everybody and everything, like I said earlier, just to work on my my myself, mind, body, and soul. I went home and I spent a lot of time with my family and. I got away from, I changed my number, I got off of social media and and just did all these things that uh, later on I read that were something that was going to be happening, you know. Um, and uh, I feel everything happens for a reason. And I know I'm still here for a reason. I, I think that I shouldn't even be here, you know. I think that I should have been gone a long time ago. But God has... Oh, had- I don't think so. <laughs> Well, no, I think you're here for a reason as well. And one of that, those reasons is to share with other people. And we talked a little bit before the show, and you kind of didn't have an answer. You kind of did. And that's how you say, stayed safe, especially with some of the choices that you made. One of them being, I need to eat, and I'm going to do some sex work. How have you remained safe? It's been... Um it's been tough. Um, I think the easiest way for me all these years of, of you know, being a provider, entertainer, escort was um, numbing, you know, the, dr- the drugs, drinking, um, just getting on a certain level where you're not so so conscious you know you are but but don't you need to be aware in order to be safe no well absolutely absolutely david um and i have found myself in situations where you know i have been robbed i have been raped like i said um i have been taken from uh, a club in houston and to the woodlands where uh several guys took advantage of me wow um yeah, I'm so sorry. Uh, that was, that was, that was crazy. Um, but uh, I, I don't know. It's, it's. That's a hard question. How do you stay safe? Like, I, you can get a gun. You think, I think the safest thing is to just don't even do it. And it's hard. Mm-hmm. It's, well, we're just about out of time. The next show is here. They need to come in set up. We're trying to be a little bit safer again uh, with COVID being all over the place again. Um, Nadia, I want to thank you so much for being here. Thank you. It's an interesting story and some wise words. Thank you, David and And Patty. I I know somebody out there was listening and your words helped. Thanks. And come back again. I would love to. We'll check in with you. Definitely. Thank you so much. We're going to go out with some music from Lisa Messiah. <laughs> 